This podcast is supported by Audible. To find out how you can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible, including a copy of The Myths of Creativity, check out audibletrial.com lead. This is Kathy Kramer, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm Kathy Kramer. I'm a psychologist by training, and I always tell people it's good news when they see me because I study people who are highly effective and functional, not dysfunctional. So you could, you could put me in the positive psychology camp, and I work with companies, with healthcare um, organizations, even with schools to help develop the leaders that are going to take that organization to the next level and really the leaders who are taking themselves to the next level. So that's what I do and that's what my latest book is about. I've really harvested a lot of case studies and uh, examined what highly effective leaders see, say, and do. That's actually the subtitle and the, the main title is Lead Positive. So I'm very excited about the publication of that book because it really helps to codify uh, everything I've learned about leadership development over the last 25 years. And, and I'm excited, not just for the benefit of your research, but I, I love that you, you mentioned po- the positive psychology movement, because one area where they uh, are, are only now beginning, and I think you're actually ahead of the sort of University of Pennsylvania folks, is discussing what the implications for leaders are for this entire um, idea. And there's been a couple forays into that, but really your book is one of the first that I've read that says specifically, let's take some of these ideas and let's apply them to leadership. And beyond that, too, I should say I'm a big fan of Marty Seligman and all of those folks, but they have never won an Emmy. So, you know, you got one up on them there, too. Oh, that's funny. Well, you know, we all stand on each other's shoulders in any discipline, and I think that the work on learned optimism, you know, was some of the seminal work, really, that helped us to see, hey, you can really change the way you think about life, what's coming at you, and it will cultivate a more optimistic outlook, which in turn helps you be more proactive, more creative, and really that's what it's all about these days, how to stay proactive instead of reactive. Hmm. And and truthfully, I think not only not only how to stay proactive instead of reactive, but how to sort of um, to steal a phrase from your first book, change the way you're looking at a lot of things because the sort of default mode network uh, is to be a little bit a, a little bit more negative, a little bit more reactive. And you've actually coined this phrase asset based thinking that really encapsulates how we need to shift to being more proactive and proactively positive, if you will, about the way we're looking at other people, the way that we're leading people, and even the way that we're looking um, sort of our, at ourselves. Talk to us a little bit about what is asset-based thinking, especially in contrast to what you call deficit-based thinking. Well, asset-based thinking is a focus, as you were talking about, on what's strong, what's possible, what's valuable, what's useful, what do I have to work with as I'm moving through my day, and then you look at yourself, you look at other people, you look at the situations that come your way, and you begin to intentionally, intentionally, and sometimes it's hard, to search for the positive facts 
that are right before your very eyes. And if you're not intentional, you'll get caught by what the neuroscientists call a negativity bias. And that's what we mean by deficit-based thinking, a focus on what's not working, what's problematic, uh, what kind of mistake was just made, my setback, and really getting into the fix-it mindset, which is okay, but it's not optimum. What, what we're really trying to do in the case of a problem for for um, example, of course, they come our way, but we're really trying to find out how can I milk this problem for all it's worth. That would be an asset-based thinking approach to the problem, which helps you widen your lens instead of narrow it and really look at what, what, what opportunities uh, do I have while I'm addressing the problem. So it could be that I'm building teamwork, it could be that I'm learning a whole new set of skills so that we are, we really redeem the problem. We see it almost as an asset. We might not welcome it, but it's useful to us. And I think everybody should realize that, that the negativity bias is really hardwired. It's the earliest part of our brain's development. And I always tell people, you know, we don't really see with our eyes, we see with our brains. Because within milliseconds of noticing something, you are judging it. Is this good? Is this bad? Is this positive? Is this negative? Is this uh, a real possibility or uh, is it a problem? And, and as we begin to do that, it has been useful to us, obviously, to be on the outlook for danger, and we uh, evolved as a species. We survived uh, as a result of the negativity bias. It really served us well. But in our particular circumstances, in this age of technology, in this world of uncertainty, change, the um, chaos oftentimes that's coming our way, our way unexpectedly also, uh, and this is true obviously in our personal lives, but also in our work life in particular, we, all of us, and especially leaders, need to hone that skill of being able to search for positive facts. Hmm. I, you know, I, there's a there's a ton of stuff actually to unpack there, um, <laughs> which I love. I'm scrolling notes underneath the questions that I prepared in advance. Uh, I I want to talk a bit about why a little bit more about why we're hardwired into this um, negative. But before we do that, I think there's something really interesting that I noticed when I was reading the book, and that's that asset based thinking is not sort of raw, unbridled optimism. It's not looking at a garden and saying there's no weeds at all. It, it's it's Honestly, it's I feel like it's a bit more of a realistic approach. Now, I'm I'm a perennial optimist, right? But it's not deluding yourself. It's actually saying like here are the problems, but how can we even look at the problems as assets as things that we can use for the greater good? Right. Uh, absolutely, David, and you're right on. This is, you know, you could think of it as realistic optimism if you if you know that you want to be, I'll say accurate and truthful about sizing up the situation or yourself or somebody else. And we use the, the um, algorithm, the ratio of five to one, that you spend five times more interest and effort leveraging the upside than you do taking care of mitigating and minimizing the downside. 
And this whole negativity bias, uh, as I mentioned, is, is, is hardwired. And its main job is to help us avoid harm. Avoid harm. And this is in the brain stem, the, the very earliest brain formation. But there are other, other motives. So the avoid harm motive is important. But we have two other motives that are really um, in, located in other parts of the brain. And it has to do with seek rewards and attach to others. So think about that for a minute. Seek rewards. Isn't that more fun than avoiding harm? Now, you've got to make sure you know, you're alive to enjoy the rewards, so you have to protect yourself, but you don't want to be operating in this defensive mode. I like to say go on the offense. Seek rewards and attach to others. So those two motives are deeply ingrained in the higher order parts of our brain, and so we know that we have access to it, it's just that we have to practice. And so uh, asset-based thinking is all about developing a habit of mind through practice. And, and along with that practice, I love there's, uh, there's really to me, there's, uh, I, I looked at it as this sort of easy, here's how to get started way to begin to fix this. And then you lay out this awesome see, say, do sort of framework for how we make this shift as, as leaders or even as just good, well-meaning members of society. Uh, but I love you actually have this equation and I'm going to kick myself because I remembered the important one, five. I just don't remember what the other one is. Is it five to one, positive to negative? You, you, it's this wonderful yeah. way of sort of doing an audit of your current thought patterns and speech patterns and saying, are you actually being as positive as you need to be? Right. And let's remember, it's positive facts that we're sizing up, that we see, and then we speak about, say, and then, of course, do. So the one thing I think you're pointing out that is so important for the listeners and the readers to get is that this is all about getting into action. And it's not just about what you see, and it's not just about what you say, although the research shows that speaking is, is actually an action. It's, it's kind of a substitute. It's a symbolic form of Acting. That's why it's so uh, influential and why it's so important for leaders to craft what they say and to let it match what they're seeing. And then, of course, the do is what the leader and what the leader is inviting others to do in terms of getting on board and really uh, navigating the terrain to drive positive change, to achieve the results that they seek. So this is all about see, say, do, and it is five to one, five times more interest. So this is really important in seeing what is possible, what's strong, what's valuable in yourself, and oftentimes leaders leave themselves, oddly enough, it's kind of um, ironic. We leave ourselves out of the picture. And that's really one of the reasons I wrote this book is because leaders can have such an amazing influence. I believe that people follow people, not just great strategies, not just great ideas. It really, what we're, what we're seeing and what we're saying and what we're doing is contagious. It has a ripple effect, and we know this now from mirror neuron 
research and all kinds of neuroscience that helps us to see that what's happening in the leader's brain is actually happening in the follower's brain to some extent in the same direction. Hmm. I, a couple of things that I loved on there, which is one of the things you said right at the top end that really resonated with me was that you said there's this sort of bias toward action and that, that words are a form of action. But I, I so when I was reading the book, I, I sort of interchanged between leadership roles that I've served in the past and uh, I've been married for eight years. And so sometimes I especially think about I think there's a wonderful difference between seeing and saying and doing if you just think about a marriage. Right. It's it's one thing to see and say, and that's great, and that'll get you so far. But if your if your actions aren't lined up with the things you're seeing and saying, then eventually the people that are entrusted to you stop buying what you're seeing and saying. So I love that there's this sort of bias for action running throughout this entire thing, uh, and I think that that really really helps um, accomplish all of the things you were talking about with sort of retraining that that habit. Right. It's one thing to retrain. It's one thing to to learn the habit of positive thinking. It's a whole other thing to learn the habit of positive doing. And I love that bias towards action. Well, I do too. And, you know, the the old saw saying, you've got to walk the talk, is really aimed right at that. And uh, people who listen and who uh, are the followers and leaders themselves, of course, followers oftentimes have tremendous influence over the leader, whether it's of a team or a function or the entire um, organization, it's really a conversation. I think um, of leadership as just that. Having when you're when you're speaking, what kind of conversation are you sourcing, and is it a can do or can't do? Is it a victim or um, aggressive conversation, or is it really the um, the kind of conversation that uplifts, but also moves right into uh, action, as you're talking about. And um, people have a Geiger counter for whether or not you're authentic, we say in psychology, congruent. So everything needs to match. You know, if if you're saying things are going to be fine, we're, you know, it'll only be um, a short period of time when we have to sustain ourselves, given this market downturn, uh, if you're not really seeing that, but you're saying that, it won't, it won't work. It won't land on people. People are not going to believe it, so to speak. And uh, so you have to really create this virtuous cycle of see, say, do in order for people to, one, take you seriously and then be inspired by you. Mm, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, the, the million-dollar question that I, I've been wanting to, to – pitch you is it, it you I love the internal Geiger counter right we know that that this is going on what about the people that are leading but also have a leader that they have to answer to and follow to that is not necessarily that positive person I mean obviously it starts with you but how do we almost lead up in this positive manner you know this reminds me of a question that one of my colleagues Tim Tim Carmack who's actually in the book he he's He's a director um, at DuPont, and he has been certified in this uh, asset-based thinking approach to leadership. And he always asks his groups, raise your hand if you'd like to report to a pessimist. And, of course, nobody raises their hand. It, the, it is a real problem. When you have a person who you are reporting to 
who always sees the downside, always asks questions about the downside, finds the error, you know, in um, a 95% accurate report. Um, th- this can be exhausting and deep and demotivating. Um, I do believe that you can, in fact, uh, interact with people like that. And people like that are on automatic pilot. They don't really understand. They're not self-aware about how they're bringing other people down. And, and they certainly don't know their um, impact. And so one of the things that you can gently do as you incorporate, uh, you know, ABT, we call uh, asset-based thinking, ABT for short, one more uh, acronym to add to our lexicon, but the ABT kinds of conversations can really try to find in that person something that you can point to. You know, when you were able to really thank me for the job I did on, did on X, that had a very positive effect on my motivation, and it helped me to see what's important to you. I wonder if you could do more of that. When you really spot something that I'm doing that makes a contribution and moves things forward, I'd love to have your feedback. So an invitation that actually builds on something that actually happened is one of the good ways to start to shape, I'll say, how people who you report to are seeing you and what they're really paying attention to. I, I think that's a great point. You know, we, we all might be defaulting to the negative, but we all have that ability to sort of turn it around and be positive. And, and one thing I've learned is that sometimes you can almost do it as you grow in your influence on other people, you can shift their thinking toward positive just by leading from that sort of example. So regardless, it starts with, with us, whether we want to answer, whether we answer to a pessimist or not. You know, I, w- I was thinking actually, I might actually raise my hand to that because if you do always answer to a pessimist and you do your job, then they're always pleasantly surprised, right? Well, there you go. That's, that's another reason. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Right. I'm just trying right, to right, think right. positive about answering to a pessimist. Yeah, very good. Very good, David. <laughs> Putting it into practice. I'm going to write that down. I think that's great. A great a great strategy. Do, do your best and when you surpass anybody's um, expectations, whether they're, you know, a a true uh, asset-based thinker or they're more deficit-based, you know, pleasant will be the impact. So good for you. Exactly. Proof proof that I have read the book and am putting its lessons into practice even you here on the, <laughs> on the interview. The, the book, again, Lead Positive, What Highly Effective Leaders See, Say, and Do. And if it's okay, Kathy, I want to shift a bit from the book to you and ask you uh, uh, the questions we ask all of our authors. First being, what are you reading right now? Well, actually, I'm sitting at my desk in my office at home, and I have, the, I have my elbow on the book that I'm reading. It's called Abundance, The Future is Better Than You Think. And it's got a very interesting cover. It's kind of a, uh, I don't know, a texture. And Stephen Kotler and Peter, I'm going to try to say his name, I think it's Greek, Diamandis. Diamandis, I think that's the phonetic way to say his last name. But these are two highly um, studied researchers um, and writers who are examining the macro landscape to help, uh, help us see not only how far we've come, but what an amazing future is ahead of us. 
if we harness the kind of technology and the kind of big questions, if we start asking the big questions and believe that, and I believe this is true, that a very small handful of people can make a seismic difference in the in in big big issues like feeding the world or reducing uh, you know the climate fiasco and um, so so as an asset based thinker I thought I should come up for air and kind of look at what are these macro trends and I love the subtitle the future is better than you think. Hmm. Well, which is exactly sort of Peter Diamandis is applying this whole lead positive idea to all of these global issues. So, so there you go. There's there's some congruence there to steal the psychology term and bring it back again. The the other question I want to ask: the the book is 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 out. It's by no means launched, but it it is out there, and you're spreading that word. But there's a lot of other things that you keep balls that you keep in the air uh, with everything that you're doing to spread this message of asset asset best thinking. What what's next for you? What's on the horizon? What else are you working on? Well, what I'm really working on is this sort of distance learning or on-demand seminars. Um, so we have a thriving practice. We work, you know, we're very fortunate. We work with very large companies that are interested in developing people and especially leaders. And then there's so many other people that are entrepreneurs or who maybe work in small to medium-sized companies that don't have the same the same kind of of, of dollars to invest. So I want to make our leadership programs affordable, accessible, and I've had very good luck with creating a sense of community and, you know, a kind of an intimate conversation, even, even though it's, it's online, even though it's by telephone. I think we're doing that right here. And so I'm launching that side of our business as we launch the book. Hmm. No, that's exciting. And so you have to check out, there's a couple different websites, uh, drkathykramer.com for that. Also, kramerinstitute.com or .org? I always forget. .com. 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 So, uh, or, or literally just go to our good friend Google and type her name into the box and you'll find all of those resources. And you'll likely find a link to the book, Lead Positive, What Highly Effective Leaders See, Say, and Do. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us inside the Leader Lab today. Thank you for your work, David. Hey everybody, it's David from the Leader Lab Podcast. I just want to thank you for being a part of this community and for listening to this podcast episode. And I want to remind you that you can get even more content from us if you connect with us online. We're at Twitter, twitter.com slash LDRLB, Facebook, facebook.com slash LDRLB. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast in either iTunes or Stitcher, or just subscribe to our email newsletter and we'll email you every single time we post a new episode. Thanks so much for being a part of the community. Look forward to giving you even more great content.